whoever you are, whomever you love, wherever you are on your journey, you are welcome here in this place of memory and hope. Here we share our joys and our struggles and our quest for what is good and true in space made holy by our presence together. Welcome to this online video worship at the Unitarian Church of Los Alamos. I'm Anne Marsh, Worship Associate. Our minister, the Reverend John Cullinan, is taking some study leave, and I'm delighted to introduce our pulpit guest, the Reverend Monroe Sycophus. Monroe holds a Master of Divinity degree from Star King School for the Ministry and serves as a community minister in Santa Fe, Taos, and surrounding areas. His ministry focuses on healing the human relationship with the earth and on confronting the many serious challenges we face in the decades ahead. Today, Monroe invites us to consider what radical hospitality really means and how it challenges us. Welcome back, Monroe.
Come by ya. Come by here. Come by here, spirit of imagination, and open our minds to new possibilities. Come by here, spirit of love, open our hearts and join our hands. Come by here, spirit of justice, and move us to act for the liberation of all. Come by here, spirit of community, and challenge us to open our circle wider and wider still. Kumbaya. Loving my Lord, come on. 
I invite you to join me in speaking the words of our affirmation. Love is the doctrine of this church. The quest for truth is its sacrament, and service is its prayer. To dwell together in peace, to seek knowledge in freedom, to serve life in fellowship to the end that all souls shall grow in harmony. Thus do we covenant with each and with all. No words have been written in our virtual book of joys and sorrows this week, but we all carry with us songs of joy and hope and tears of sorrow and loss. So let us take a moment now as candles burn in our sanctuary to bring to mind and to bring to heart whatever joys and sorrows we carry with us this day. In the midst of national trauma and personal struggles, anxiety, grief, anger are all too real. And yet, a hawk over the canyon, moonlight on the snow, the smile of a child, all these connect us to everything that is and remind us that hope and beauty are as real as pain and loss, and there is a love that will not let us go. I would like to invite you now into a time of meditation and reflection. And so wherever you are, relax yourself into your chair, your sofa. Take a couple of deep breaths. Let some of that stress out. Let it fall off your shoulders, down your legs, into the waiting arms of Mother Earth. And if you're comfortable and you feel safe, close your eyes and find that still space there at the center of your being, that quiet place, that refuge. And I want to imagine, I want you to imagine now what it feels like to feel safe. To have a home. To have a place where you can go, where you can relax and feel safe. And then take a moment to think of all the people who don't have that, who don't feel safe, who don't have a home. And just feel that heartbreak for just a second, just a few moments. And now I'd ask you to imagine what the world would be like 
if everyone felt safe, if everyone felt like they had a home, that they had a place to go to where that was true. When we imagine things, they become possible. So let's rest in that possibility here for a few moments. A world where everyone is safe and has a home. So do you know what it means to be radically inclusive? Those are two really big words, radical and inclusive. So let me try to explain this a little bit easier for you all using donuts and croissants. This is a donut. And this is a croissant. When our you, you, youth in middle school and high school make a covenant about the promises they want to keep between each other, they sometimes say, be a croissant, not a donut. That means to stay open to new ideas. Don't close the circle. Include more people into your croissant.
In our UU church and in our world, we try to make our circles bigger and bigger and include more people and more friends and more people we don't know. Think about if you were playing the game Duck, Duck, Goose. If a kid you didn't know very well wanted to play this game with your group, you would make your circle a little bit bigger to include that person and give them a space in the circle, right? So this is what we as kids and adults want to practice more and more in our lives. We want to include more people and even new people. We can make our circles bigger by turning them into the shape of croissants and include more people in our communities. So think back to our circle, like this donut. Circles are great, but sometimes they can seem to be closed and not welcoming to others. Like that. When circle's a little bit closed, it's hard for people to join. Now think of a croissant. Woo. Croissants are a similar shape to circles, except they leave an opening down here for new people to join in your group. Like this. So I think I'm gonna just have to make this donut more of a croissant. Voila! So who is with me? This is one way I'm gonna practice being radically inclusive this week by making donuts and just croissants and eating them too. Maybe you can practice with me too. Let's be more radically inclusive. You can do it. Bye.
Our reading this morning comes to us from John O'Donohue from To Bless the Space Between Us. And it's a short poem called On Meeting a Stranger. With respect and reverence that the unknown between us might flower into discovery and lead us beyond the familiar field, blind with the weed of weariness in the old walls of habit. I would guess that most of us know the biblical story of the Good Samaritan. The broad strokes of the story, if not the details. To recap, 
On the road to Jericho, a man has been beaten, robbed, and left for dead by the side of the road. A priest and then a Levite pass him by, each going to the other side of the road to create as much distance as possible between them and the body. And then the Samaritan comes along. At the time, Samaritans seemed to be on everybody's outgroup list. The Samaritan rescues the man, takes him to an inn, pays for his room and the wine and the oil that will be needed for his recovery, and then goes his way. He doesn't calculate that the man he saved might have left him for dead were the circumstances reversed. No, he sees another human in need and he does what he can do. He doesn't ask for anything in return. No repayment, no recognition. He is forever nameless. This parable is an example of how we should treat a stranger in need. Without thought for which tribe the stranger belongs to, without thought for our own risk or the cost. It represents the ideal for such behavior. And like all stories, we are present in all the characters. We recognize ourselves in the traveler left for dead, in the priest, the Levite, the innkeeper, and the Samaritan. Which character will we play today? But there's something missing from this story, something critical to our notions of hospitality in law and in custom. Because the story takes place in the wilderness, on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, a road notorious for its danger, a road you didn't travel alone. And it seems obvious to point out, but the road and the wilderness are not home to any of the characters. Hospitality requires a home. A home dwelling, a home city, a home country. A safe place with boundaries, with borders. It requires an invitation, consent, and reciprocity. Jacques Derrida saw hospitality as inviting and welcoming the stranger. This takes place on different levels. There's the personal level where the stranger is welcomed into the home as a guest. And the level of individual countries with the immigrant and the refugee. Many words associated with hospitality have evolved from the same hypothetical proto-Indo-European root word, gosti, meaning stranger, guest, and host. Gosti also evolved into the Latin root hostis, meaning enemy, army, and where host, as in a multitude, and hostile come from. The combination of gosti and another Proto-Indo-European root word, poti, meaning powerful, evolved into the Latin hospice and eventually into hospice, hospitable, hospital, hospitality, 
host as in a giver of hospitality, hostage and hostile, like a youth hostel. There's a lot tangled up in those roots. Now the Greek languages also evolved from the same Proto-Indo-European. Gosti gave us the Greek Xenos, which also has the interchangeable meaning of guest, host, or stranger. From Xenos, we get the word xenophobia, fear and hatred of the foreign, the foreigner, but also the word xenophilia, the attraction to the stranger, to the new, to the unknown. So the stranger may bring danger, but they also may bring things worth knowing, worth having, and perhaps even salvation. The words hospitality and hostility share roots because the stranger is an unknown. <clears throat> they could be a threat, bringing not just physical danger, but new and destabilizing ideas or beliefs or possibilities. At the beginning, we don't know. And so we must ask, is there a threat here? How far do we trust this stranger? What are the limits of our hospitality? Because in the real world, there are always going to be limits. And not to ask those questions is foolish. Hospitality is a reciprocal relationship between host and guest in a home, and between a country and the refugee or the immigrant. And without that reciprocity, there can be no hospitality, because then both host and guest are adrift. Without an understanding of how to behave, of what is expected from each, and where the boundaries are that cannot and should not be crossed. Dorita made a distinction between unconditional hospitality, which he considered impossible, and normal hospitality, which in his view was always conditional. In trying to imagine the extremes of a hospitality to which no conditions are set, there is a realization that unconditional hospitality can never be accomplished. It's not so much an ideal, it's an impossible ideal. <clears throat> and this is the dilemma of hospitality. On the one hand, there's a moral imperative to show hospitality, especially to people in distress or fleeing from danger. <clears throat> And on the other hand, the total abandonment of borders would obliterate the home into which they are being invited. All borders have some degree of permeability, but if they become absolutely open, then the border itself is abolished and there is no longer any place of safety, any home to enter. <clears throat> Our hospitality assumes the ability to provide a safe haven, a sanctuary. And like a filter, the border must inevitably be selective when allowing itself to be crossed. If refugees fleeing from persecutors find their way through an opening, it cannot equally be open to those pursuing them. 
Guests are expected to respect the home and the host and help preserve the safety of the home, that refuge and its boundaries. Conversely, to harm any guest in any way is a grievous violation of our obligation as a host to provide that safety. Sadly, our nation is guilty of this violation in so many ways, historically and in the present. Xenophobia arises from our ancient animal anxieties and fears. That old lizard brain that fears the unknown and the unfamiliar. When times are troubled and the future uncertain, our tribes get smaller, more defensive, more concerned with purity and enforcing right belief and right behavior as we see it. We circle the wagons, seeing the external world as even more hostile and dangerous. But it isn't total strangers we have the most trouble extending hospitality to. It's outgroups. Sigmund Freud noted that it is precisely communities with adjoining territories and related to each other in other ways as well who are engaged in constant feuds and ridiculing each other. What makes an outgroup? Proximity plus small differences. If you want to know who someone hates, find the group that lives closely intermingled with them and is most conspicuously similar to them. And chances are you'll find the group who they have years of seething hatred toward. Example, nine in 10 Americans think that the nation is more divided now than at any point in their lifetime. In a 2018 poll, roughly half of Democrats described Republicans as ignorant and spiteful, while a similar proportion of Republicans described Democrats as ignorant and spiteful. Roughly two-thirds of Democrats labeled Republicans as racist, sexist, or bigoted while well, a third of Republicans applied these terms to Democrats. Perhaps most concerning of all, more than 20% of Republicans and Democrats describe members of the other party as evil. Evil. Only 4% of both parties think the other side is fair, and even fewer describe them as thoughtful or kind. Many would rather their children married an atheist, the most outgroup of outgroups, or marry someone of another race or religion than marry someone from the other party. How do you welcome someone like that? Who is the stranger? There's a sense in which we are all strangers now. Many of us no longer recognize the country we grew up in and no longer feel safe. Many of us never felt safe at all. 
physical and emotional walls are going up everywhere these days. Our lives are riven by what appear to be insurmountable dividing lines. Politics and race and class and religionality and nationality and sexuality, and the list seems endless. We're divided within and without, and wholeness seems impossible. Our alienation makes us strangers to ourselves. Who is the stranger? Why, I am, and you are, and we are, and they are, whoever they are. And if we are all strangers, where is home? Where is safety? Hospitality is risky business. We should never pat ourselves on the back and claim we are a hospitable people. Instead, we must always be asking, how can we become more hospitable while at the same time avoiding the collapse of the region of safety implied in the word home? This is not a liberal or conservative thing, by the way. This is an ancient human conundrum. Doritas is not a philosophy that offers definitive answers to this dilemma. Such answers would be wrong much of the time because we are indeed dealing with a true dilemma. Instead, he alerts us to the fact that we are always in the situation of never having done enough. The hospitable person or country should be seeking at all times to be more hospitable alert to any opportunities to move in this direction, never saying, we've done enough, we can't do more, but always seeking practical ways to do more than we have, to somehow feed just one more person, to somehow shelter just one more family, to somehow welcome just one more stranger. Welcoming the stranger is not just for the stranger's sake, but also for our own, for our own spiritual development and self-overcoming. And it applies to everything unfamiliar and unknown. Hospitality in terms of welcoming the stranger is an important spiritual practice for facing down our animal fears and anxieties of learning to be less fearful and more generous, more welcoming. And that practice will never make perfect, but we are not called to be perfect. We are called to be hospitable, no matter how impossible that may be. Thank you.
Thank you, Monroe, for sharing your thoughtful and inspiring words. Next week, our minister, John Cullinan, will return with part two of his reflections on beloved community. If this is your first time with us, we invite you to sign our virtual guest book, and everyone is reminded that you could submit personal joys and sorrows for our virtual candle lighting, and that Reverend John welcomes your questions and comments. The links for doing all these things are found in the service notes beneath the video. For information on programs for children and youth, any upcoming special events, and other ways to connect, check our Facebook pages and our email announcements. Thank you for being with us. Our offering for the month of February is taken up for our friends at Strong in Nature. Based in Los Alamos, Strong in Nature seeks to help heal and empower survivors of sexual violence through outdoor adventures, online community, and employment opportunities. 100% of each month's collection is given to our charitable partners. Please use the Givelify app from your mobile device or use the link in the service notes below to make your offering. May what you give bring you joy and a deeper relationship with your community.
And I invite us all to join hands through the electrons, through the wires, to join together virtually, to be as one, even though we are apart. May love and skill guide our hands. May love and courage fill our hearts. May love and wisdom light our minds. May love flow through us and walk among us as we live our lives and try to be more hospitable to the strangers among us. Go in peace.